0: I would like to give thanks to the ancestors known and unknown, those who have paved the way for us to survive this moment of time, and to have a reference point to use as a blueprint to deal with these hellish times we are living in. I would also like to give honor and reverence to the woman of the universe for your superior work, for bringing forth the spiritual information through the triple stage of darkness of your womb and giving birth to God, we would like to give reverence to the universe and praises to the indigenous. My name is Raheem Shabazz and this is Necessary Blackness Podcast. Necessary Blackness Podcast, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. With award-winning journalist and filmmaker Rahim Shabazz. This podcast is only for those who are unapologetic because the mind of the conscious man or woman recognize no monopoly on truth. Truth is relative and always to be sought. Award-winning producer Raheem Shabazz continues the Elementary Genocide documentary series with the School to Prison Pipeline. That film exposes the social engineering done to African-American children yeah. in the school system. And his other film, Elementary Genocide 2, yeah. The Board of Education versus The Board of Incarceration, takes an even deeper look yeah. at the history of the American school system and how it was made to justify yeah. subjugating black Americans. These films are on track to be the most discussed films in black America. These films feature people like Dr. Boyce Watkins, Dr. Francis yeah. Gretz-Welsing, and many, many more. The documentary is available right now at elementarygenocide.com. That's elementarygenocide.com Hey Atlanta, have you heard? True Laundry Detergent is now
1: offering free shipping in the Atlanta area. Just text the word TRUE to 404-493-0523 or give us a call. That's 404-493-0523. True Detergent is four times concentrated and perfect for those HE washers. Just one ounce removes dirt, brightens fabrics, and leaves each load with a clean, fresh Sense best of all, true contains no animal products and it's safe for sensitive skin. Follow us on social media, true detergent ATL.
0: Peace and power, black family. This is your host, Raheem Shabazz, and we are back for another episode of Necessary Blackness Podcast. In our last episode, we spoke with Antoinette Harrell, a penis detective about the Florida Industrial School for Boys. Here's a little excerpt.
1: I came across the story of Pinnage at Bowden Reform School, Arthur G. Bowden Reform School in Mariana, Florida.
0: And that was the first time that I had heard that children was used. Although I knew that "kids" was. But I'm talking about in an institution, something in regards of, a, in respect to a school.
1: And when I reached out to one of the authors, a man named Roger Dean Kaiser that wrote the book, he put me in contact with some of the black men.
0: And I met a man named Johnny D. Gaddy, who talked about how hard he worked, what he did, the rapes, the beatings,
1: and some of the killings. And that's how I came across this story at Bozaloo Farm School, Research and Pinnage.
0: Now, that was an excerpt from our last broadcast. And for those that missed it, you can go to our archives on iTunes. You can go to our archives on Google Play or just simply do a Google Research and you can find that episode and listen to it, as well as our many other episodes. Now, we are concluding with part two of They Told Me Not to Tell with Johnny Lee Gaddy. And just to give y'all a quick overview and a backstory on this reformatory school in Florida, this school opened up in the the 1900s and was closed in the year 2011 so it was open for 111 years the school was 1400 acres that was divided into two sub campuses south side for whites and the north side for blacks the segregation of This reformatory school went on into 1966. Remember that year because that's a pivotal moment. All right. Now, the north side shared the location with a cemetery where 50 or more deceased students was laid to rest. And you guessed it, those students was black. Now, before we bring Johnny Lee Gaddy in... I want y'all to understand what happened and what we can do to give empathy and support in Johnny Lee Gabby's quest for justice. Mr. Gabby's will to survive is a testament to his strength and his courage. Now, let us help to tell his story, so make sure you share this broadcast Make sure you tell your families and your friends about the atrocity that was visited upon this man as well as other students that was residents of this reformatory school. And he also has a book out that he's going to discuss and he's going to talk about and he's going to tell you where you can purchase that book. The least we can do is to put our money behind this man and support his endeavor To tell his story. And with that, we're going to go right into the interview with Johnny Lee Gaddy. This is Raheem Shabazz with Necessary Blackness Podcast and we are on the line with Johnny Lee Gaddy and as we previously discussed, this was an individual that was a young man that had to endure the horrific treatment at this reformatory school in the state of Florida. Uh, Johnny Lee Gaddy, I want to first say that It takes a man of courage and strength to endure what you had to go through and live to be able to tell that story and fight for justice at the same time. So I wanted to definitely say that to you and get that out of the way before we start. I have read extensively about this story and I was shocked. I was shocked that So much was happening for so long. I'm not shocked that it happened because we live in the United States of America. I'm more shocked that this has been going on for so long and that this school was allowed to stay open for 111 years. But let's go back to the beginning. I want you to uh, briefly inform individuals how did you end up in this reformatory school and what was the outcome?
1: Well, I was, uh, I'm now 61. I'm not, I'm sorry. I'm 71 now, but I went to that school at 11 years old and I went there for truancy and they came by and picked me up and told my mother that I was going to see a judge in the evening. And I told my mother, it don't be no judge in the evening like that. And so my mom told me to go ahead on with him. And I went there, and he had put me on a cell. And he told me, he said, I want you to sit here until the judge comes. So I I fell asleep sitting on the bed. And the judge, he woke me up the next morning. I said, the judge made it. He said, no, nigga, you're going to Mariana which we called a formatory school at the time. And uh when he took me up there, it was segregated. So we went had the reddish on the white side, and then they transferred me to the black side. And it was beautiful going in there, but after I got there a little while, it was a, a living hell for the black boys. Uh, everything everybody ate, we raised it or growed it. We worked in the, and I worked on a farm crew. They signed me to a farm crew. When I got there, my supervisor's name was Mr. Shazer, and he told me, just do what you was told to do, and you won't have to take a ride to the White House. I said, well, I don't want to take a ride to the White House because I had heard a little bit about it. But eventually I did have to ride because the guy busted the tie on a trailer and he said I did it so he rode both of us to the White House. And the White House was consist of laying on a bed that had a single head rail and you had to lay on that bed and grab that rail and hold the bed. You couldn't turn the bed or loose. If you turned the bed or loose they was continuing to, to whoop you. He said, um, I I have boys have been killed by turning over off of that bed because they hit you between the the groom and kill you, because he, he was coming down pretty hard. And I said he hit me about twenty five licks. Blood was running down my legs and my back. And he told me, he said, when he got through spanking me, he said, "Uh, we had to call it. By the way, we had to call it a spanking. We couldn't call it a whooping or a beating. We had to call it a spanking." I said, "Well, can I go to the to the hospital?" He said, "No, you got to go to the cafeteria, where the boys can see that we are not playing with you guys." I said, "I'm all bloody. I cannot change clothes." He said, "No, you can't change clothes." So, I had to carry a pillow for about a couple of weeks just to sit down. And they had me in the swamp. We had to go in the swamp and, and you call a area called New Ground. I ain't know nothing about no new ground. It was the swamp that I had to go in and tie chains on stumps and where they tight to can pull them out. And we had a two handed saw. One one boy pull one way and one push and pull. And the boy that was on on the saw with me, he was seven, and I was 11, and he was so small. So when I was pushing, he couldn't pull it. So I had to push him and pull it just to keep him from riding to the White House. They had been there about a year. And when, when we, everything that we aired the white guys, they ate it, we growed it, or raised it. We grow corn, we grow peas, we grow okra, we even had our own dairy, we had our own chicken farm, we even made our own sugar from the cane that we grow, and we had rabbits, everything, and that's when I had been there a couple of years and they moved me up to a tractor driver. And that's when I went to the, I used to deliver stuff to the pit from the farm where they burn it. And that's when I saw body parts in the pit. His hand was in, boy his hand was in the pit. And I said, man, they, they couldn't eat boy's hand off. Well, which I know if you work in the sawmill, they had them more big log you had to push. If you didn't get your hand out, that wood cut your hands off. And then I used to go to the garbage, and I had to get the slop from the cafeteria and take it to the hog pen. And I saw a boy's foot in the hog pen. I said, man, they feeding these boys to the hog. He said, yeah, you know, a hog can eat anything. He said, but don't ever mention that. So I, I learned to keep my mouth closed, and I didn't mention it because I got a spanking again. As I told uh, my cottage father, the guy that was over us in the cottage, we had to call him college father, and I told him that a man came in there last night and took me downtown and molested me, and I got a ride for that, for telling him, because he said, you're lying on the, on the directors that work here. He said, nobody did that to you. So... That, that went on for a while. So every new boy that comes in there, they take them downtown. I, I learned later they call them pedophile, whatever they call them. The time, they had a guy that goes through the cottage with a, a chain lock, and one of these big uh, locks that he put in the key. All I, I can remember is a big old lock. When he goes on, he take that key and put it in there and lock us up in the room. And when he leaves he take he get a head count. And uh, I remember that lock and guy get up by four thirty in the morning and blow a bugle. That's what we had to get up by the bugle. But it was it was um, a living hell for me because I was only eleven. When I left there, I stayed five years for not going to school. So
0: let me ask you this. So for five years, you had to endure this treatment for school delinquency? Right. For school truancy, you had to endure this for five years.
1: Right. Now,
0: you mentioned about the cottage father. Was he Uh black or was he white?
1: He was black, and most, mo- yeah, I was black.
0: So, a lot of the employees that worked there was black, or was they white?
1: Well, the only white guy that was on my side when I was there was the guy that did the spanking. He was one armed. His name was Mister Tidwell. He only had one arm. He was over the whole school.
0: Wow. You know, just reading this story, I would assume that this was being inflicted upon y'all by uh, white individuals. But there was some black co conspirators in there as well, huh?
1: Right.
0: Now, I, I watched a YouTube video of Mr. Tiswell. And I guess it was a, a deposition where they was asking him about some of the allegations and some of the charges that was being leveled against the reformatory school. And, you know, he was denying it, some of the stuff he admitted to. Um, do you understand, for whatever reason, why he never was brought up on charges? Because well, he's still alive today.
1: To me, it was the state that sentenced us there. And it was the state asking the question. And he was working for the state. That's the way I was looking at it. And and the reason, to me, in my hometown, it was the police that took me up there. So what
0: is the current status of the situation? I know that in 2011, a resolution was agreed upon where the state of Florida apologized for the atrocity that went on. Is there any form of compensation or reparation being talked about or being offered?
1: No, just apology.
0: So not at all. They're not even talking about compensating the former students. It was just an apology that was given.
1: Right. That's all I heard of.
0: So, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you would like to say in your last closing words?
1: No, right offhand. It it was like they would go around and pick up boys and use us because a little old slave boy. Because my my father had passed and my mother had to get on welfare, and there was thirteen of us and. They can just come in the community and pick up whoever they wanted to do their labor. We was we worked there a little old boys well we was, we were little slave boys and they would write my mother and tell my mother, well I had to spank Johnny today. And my mother was under the impression, well a spanking can't be that bad and she didn't have no idea that uh, Pleasure torn
0: from my body, from the thinking. All right, Johnny Lee Gaddy. In closing, I want to ask you: What would you like to see done to those that are still living? Whether it be brought up on charges for civil rights violation or monetary compensation to the victims. In your opinion, what would you like to see done?
1: Well, you know I would like to see some compensation come from it because they say it's over with, but I live with with the agony of, of that place almost sixty some years later, so I have to suffer i should I feel like they should have to somebody should have to suffer, but of course, we know only one guy is still alive, and I think he's ninety. That's Tidwell. He's about 97. And I think we have to live with some hesitation. But it's the state I hold accountable because without Miss Arrell, you wouldn't even be hearing my voice. She took it on her own to work with me because I had kept it in myself. My wife didn't even know it for 40-some years. I didn't never tell nobody. Because when I came out of the school, they didn't let the kid play with me. Cause they said I was a, a bad boy. Cause I went to formatory school. We call it the formatory school. And so I had to go to the agony of not being able to play with other kids and being labor as a bad boy. But I think something should be done. We only a few of us left. I preached a couple of funerals that boys was, I'm a pastor by the way, I didn't mention that to you and don't ask me how I got there without God help, I still would have been angry, but I refused to give the devil that much power over me.
0: Well, Johnny Lee Gaddy, I want to thank you for having the courage to tell your story and hopefully you don't have to suffer no more that we're going to continue to tell your story and let the world know what happened. In the end, it's going to be some type of resolution. All right, okay. brother? Thank you for your time.
1: Thank you for listening to it, and I, When I got it, I hate to say it, but I told Black a Radio Station and different, they wouldn't even talk, call me back. Oh, no. We don't do that here. This is Necessary Blackness
0: podcast, and we unapologetically black, and we fight for the liberation and struggle for every man, woman, and child that got melanated skin, and this happened to you yesterday, and it can happen to me today, or to my children, or my grandchildren, so we got to fight injustice wherever it's at. We got to meet it wherever it's at and i'm going to continue to tell your story and i'm going to encourage other individuals to shine light on on what is going on and what happened so we definitely going to um put the spotlight on this story for you brother okay? All right.
1: And i have a book out i wrote with the help of mizrael the name of the book is they told me not to tell
0: and where is that book available at
1: oh uh, i'm going to let my daughter egg. Give
0: it to you if you
1: don't mind. Okay, no. Hello.
0: Hello. How you doing? Fine. How are you? All right. Um, you can purchase his book um on PayPal
1: at gaddy one nine four five at gmail dot com, or you can purchase it on at
0: Amazon dot com okay i'm gonna go on there in five minutes and i'm gonna purchase a copy and i'm gonna let everybody know how they can get this book and once again i encourage everybody that's listening please go get the book it's called they told me not to tell by johnny Lee gaddy all right thank you sister i appreciate it no
1: problem have a blessed day
0: all right Peace and Power Black Family. That is our conclusion of this episode. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Raheem Shabazz. And all our episodes are archived on iTunes. Make sure you subscribe to our iTunes so you don't miss no episodes. But you definitely can check out our archives, go back and Listen to our previous episodes and continue, family, to send us emails at Necessary Blackness Podcast at Gmail. Peace and Power, family.